You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and we are having a blast here. Uh, yes, indeed, it is just absolutely fantastic here at the Hacienda Tap as we are Lapping our way through the fall of the republic, if you will uh, pardon me for borrowing the phrase from a certain uh, Mr. Andrew Clavin. Uh, it's one of his catchphrases. It, I'm sorry, it just seems to really uh, be apropos today. So uh, uh, 
Drew, I, I hope you'll forgive me for swiping that from you. In the meanwhile, uh, let's go ahead and get into uh, today's broadcast, shall we? we got a lot of stuff to get to. But before we do that, I did want to respond to somebody that reached out to me online. Uh, they started saying, okay, you've been playing that theme song now for a while. You haven't changed up that first opening bit. And uh, we get that you're starting to play these little snippets um, uh, that are intended for breaks on the front end to try and uh, refer fresh it for the purposes of the listeners. Uh, why don't you change it up? Or at the very least, uh, since you tend to run long, and I'll try not to take that personal because after all, it is true, I do tend to run long. Uh, why don't you shorten it a bit or just not play the whole thing or fade out of it? And, uh, you know, there's a reason for that. I use, I use that song. I use that song to fire me up and get me in the right tap into the truth mode. Besides, that song is one of Matt Fitzgibbon's very best. Uh, at least it's one of my very favorites from him. Not that I have any uh, that I've come across that I dislike. So I'm going to mention the fact that I'm probably never going to shorten it or fade out on it uh, unless there is something just hugely out of the ordinary or like some type of breaking thing where I'm doing something live on the app. And in that case, I may not even play it going in. I may just uh, bust in, but... Uh, point of the matter is, I just really like the song. I like the song in its entirety. And just like uh, with uh, gun controls using both hands, I always play that at the end of the second hour regardless, and I play it in its entirety uh, for the podcast listeners. Now, for those of you that want to hear it, you can stay to the very end. And I would appreciate it, actually, because there's an extra set of ads uh, uh, if you're on one of the platforms that I'm monetized on, and that just gives me a few more impressions and, and helps to get a few more advertising dollars uh, sent this way, helps to support the show. Uh, but I, I just love both those songs so much, I will not cut them short. I just can't help myself. In the meanwhile, I would still highly recommend each and every one of you go visit patriotmusic.com and check out everything that Matt has going on. A lot of great tunes over there, not just the few that you hear me play here on a fairly regular basis, but a lot of really good ones, including a homage to Nurses that was his most recent project that's out there uh, that he did early on into the pandemic. All right, let's uh, let's see what all's going on in the news today. Well, Bill Barr uh, managed to not make any new friends. As uh, word's gotten out about his new book, he's got a memoir coming out. And, uh, well, he actually makes it seem like uh, Donald Trump's completely and totally unhinged. And it was a great personal sacrifice for Bill Barr to, to even attempt to do his job. Wasn't the impression I got from Bill Barr when he was actually doing the job but i guess if you're going to sell a book and you want to make some money that is the kind of uh subject matter if you write along that you can get a pretty big advance on regardless of how much the book actually sells after all the majority of publishing houses are very liberal and very much didn't like the orange man who's bad the kicker of puppies the eater of babies the climate arsonist so it uh, looks like uh, it's a pretty big deal. But one of the more outrageous claims is he just put the events of January 6th squarely on Donald Trump, almost as if Donald Trump had orchestrated it from the beginning. So, like I said, Bill Barr not making any new friends, although, quite honestly, the only people he's alienated are the folks that were already upset with him as it is. So, eh, I guess no skin off his nose. 
Uh, we also have a, a few other minor things. Uh, we've got Jin Saki, who evidently is trying to dispel the rumors that uh, CNN and MSNBC have come a calling. Although the way the question was asked and then answered didn't really answer the question as to whether or not the two networks are starting a bidding war to gain her services for after she's done with the current position she holds as White House press secretary. For those of you that tend to believe that uh, barely there, Beijing Biden is not likely to hold his current position uh, much longer, that uh, that exit stage right uh, from the White House press secretary position could come sooner rather than later. And in that event, uh, it would not be at all surprising to see her land firmly on her feet with some type of gig on one of the networks. Uh, lots of former Democratic talking heads have managed to find their way onto ABC News positions in particular. So actually, I'm just thinking it's kind of interesting to see CNN and MSNBC get into the bidding war and jump early. Uh, now she says she's got her plate full and her hands full already with her current job. So the way the question was asked was, was she looking for another job? Uh, the rumors were that these folks had come a-calling to try to get ahead of uh, everyone else that would have to get in line to talk to her once this deal's done. Not that she went looking. So it didn't really answer any of the questions, just in case you didn't realize it. All right, what else we got going good for a quick hit? Talked about uh, Donald Trump just a second ago. Uh, CPAC underway at the moment. Of course, uh, just as a quick reminder for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast of the show, which you may very well be doing on some of the great radio stations across the country, uh, stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Or you might be listening to the rebroadcast uh, over on uh, Digital platforms, uh, places like The Last Frequency. Uh, and if you're listening to one of those locations, then by Job, it might be it might behoove you. Uh, I swear, English is my first language. I, I've been having to say that a lot lately. It might behoove you to know that the time of the live broadcast just so happens to be February 27th, 2022. It is a Sunday, and it is early evening. Uh, it's a, somewhere around 6 p.m.-ish uh, Eastern Time. Time that I'm actually behind this microphone talking to you directly. So for those of you that are hearing the rebroadcast, that might be why some of these things may have already changed. Because that's just it. We have a very kinetic situation going on. But uh, back to the point here before I get into that kinetic situation that is the Russian-Ukraine situation, which I'm... Not going to spend a whole lot of time on, but I'm still going to make a few points about. After all, everybody else is doing it. I don't see spending a whole lot of time on it. You're probably oversaturated with the coverage. It's just about all the legacy media wants to talk about right now. But uh, at CPAC, what we have going on is uh, Donald John Trump uh, gave his speech. And uh, it was quite the speech. It uh, really let Biden have it uh, with both barrels, uh, giving him a certain level of responsibility for what's going on on the international stage, which I think is fair. That's certainly correct. Uh, he commented about why it is that uh, the political left in this country have declared Ukraine's borders to be sacred while they completely ignored the fact that we have a southern border 
I mean, we do have it. They don't seem to know that anymore. If they do know it, they rarely acknowledge it. And if they do acknowledge it, it still doesn't seem to mean anything to them. The situation on our southern border continues to worsen, and yet most of the media are more than happy to ignore even a brief discussion of it. So a lot of props out to the uh, the show hosts that are out there uh, in the media that are making every effort to keep us focused on uh, our southern border. Well, we need to be aware of it. But the big news uh, was the uh, straw poll came out. Uh, the CPAC folks, you have to understand, do not represent the Republican Party as a whole. CPAC is primarily the actual conservatives in the party. And so the actual conservatives in the party, the folks that do not want to compromise any longer with the political leftists, that do not want to see a platform of destroy America, but would prefer to see America first, not necessarily populist, certainly not necessarily uh, nationalist, just folks that believe that this nation is worth saving as she was founded, that is, she is worth reconstituting to the form for which she was given to us by the founding fathers, the framers of the Constitution. Uh, those are the folks that are typically at CPAC. And in that vote, uh, Donald Trump drew better than 50% total. Ron DeSantis, the uh, governor of Florida, a very Trump-esque type figure, only just slightly more of a statesman, I would suppose. Little less mean tweet, but still just as combative with the media when needed. Uh, he got uh, somewhere in the t low 20s. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Uh, so I'm trying to go off memory, and unfortunately I'm thinking about some of these other stories. But, you know, he got roughly uh, uh, just a smidge less than half of what Donald Trump got. And then uh, the other top three finishers were down uh, barely above 1%, uh, depending on uh, which one you're talking about. So a clear, clear uh, differentiation between the folks that are amongst the front runners. Uh, as far as the folks and the names that get bandied about a bit when we're talking about potential Republican nominees for the 2024 presidential election cycle. Now, this should come as no surprise to anyone who's been following politics at all and certainly shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody who's been listening to this show because I've been asserting to you for some time that the nomination is Trump's if he wants it. It's Trump's. All he has to do is say, yeah, I'm running. And it seemed like in his speech he was doing everything but flood out declaring that, yes, he is indeed running. I think uh, making an offer to DeSantis as a VP pick would actually make it nearly impossible for the Democrats to pull any kind of shenanigans and effectively still find a way to come up with a win for whoever their candidate may end up being. Uh, just the overwhelming popularity and just the overwhelming amount of crappiness that has ensued for this nation since Biden took over. I mean, he literally undone the majority of the good things that Trump had been doing. And he did it from the starting point of the artificial shutdown of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, economic closings. 
So, you know, he's been able to expedite and go, I don't know, about twice as fast as Obama was able to institute the downgrading of the country. And just the fact that Biden manages to make us look weak internally and on the international stage at the same time, well, you know, like uh, like Obama himself said, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. All right, so uh, enough quick hitter stuff. Let's let's get to the meat and potatoes of what most folks are talking about, and that, of course, is the continuation of hostilities from the Russian government, uh, primarily the Russian military, uh, against the Ukraine. Now, this invasion has been going on at least two days longer than most of the experts predicted that it would take, and it's not a done deal yet. Although. About an hour or so before uh, the beginning of this broadcast, they were all over the legacy media showing satellite footage of nearly a mile long of uh, military convoy making their way into Kiev. And and I'm sorry, I'm going to continue to call it Kiev instead of Kiev or or whatever because uh, it's a 20-plus year habit that it's going to take me a minute or two to break if I even decide I'm going to try. Now... I don't mean that to be disrespectful to the people of Ukraine, if that's how they want it pronounced. But uh, again, 20 plus years, guys, it's going to take a minute. Okay, so uh, obviously, by the time most of you guys get to hear this broadcast, uh, there's going to have been a major effort to push some of these folks into Kiev. And and we're going to see those reactions. In fact, Uh, The invasion may be over by the time you hear this, but as of the time that I'm uh, broadcasting and also recording this, for those of you that will hear the rebroadcast, it hasn't happened yet. But uh, the most amazing thing to me isn't the images of Russian tanks running over uh, Ukrainian citizens' cars uh, with them in it. And then having to be emergency rescued out of them. It isn't the images of the once upon a time television comedian, now president of Ukraine, in his hunting uh, camouflage and getting ready to pick up a weapon and and go defend and and turning down the U.S. government's offer to come uh, evacuate him uh, from the capital. Now, his willingness to stay and his willingness to fight as a leader, uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, we are talking about the Ukrainian people. And I've had conversations recently with Ron, and Ron has been real heavy on the fact that the Ukraine, uh, up until the current administration, I I don't think the the polling has been done since then. But uh, according to most international sources, the second most corrupt nation on the planet was Ukraine. Again, that was under the previous administration, uh, who happened to also be a, a Vladimir puppet, which is also part of why Vladimir is not at all happy with the current Ukrainian government. He waited a few minutes to go in. He wants to reinstall another uh, would-be yes-man for uh, for Putin. But in the effort to do that, we've had the conversation about that level of corruption. So uh, he's not feeling a whole lot of sympathy for the government. He seems to to buy into the notion. And I'm not saying necessarily that he's wrong either, but 
I'm just saying that uh, this is where his standpoint is, that he's buying into this idea that the Ukrainians actually have provoked Russia, uh, that folks have been poking the bear. And if anything, I would tend to think it's been the opposite, because according to Putin, what he's really concerned about is NATO's presence, NATO's presence directly on the border. But that's not it. That's not it. There are other, uh, I mean, look at Estonia. There are other NATO nations that are directly on the Russian border, and he hasn't said boo about it. He's had plenty of opportunities to. There was no indication that Ukraine was going to get to be part of NATO anytime soon, if ever. Putin has now moved his nuclear response units to high alert, which isn't necessarily an empty threat, by the way. I'll circle back around to that for a second. But I think the most telling aspect of uh, Putin's uh, aspirations here, the fact that he issued a very thinly veiled threat to Finland and Sweden, which are not part of NATO. It's like, well, if you're thinking about joining NATO, maybe the same thing might happen to you. Or maybe there will be devastating results, the likes of which you've never faced. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, tactical nuke, wink, wink. And and here's the thing, circling back around to him, elevating his nuclear units Uh, to the highest alert status. We know that Vladimir Putin was a member of the KGB at a time when the Kremlin firmly believed that the use of tactical nukes on the battlefield was completely appropriate, would be a completely viable option if other options were becoming ineffective in moving forward with the battlefield agenda. There's been a lot of people talking today about the possibility of chemical warfare being used because the Ukrainians are digging in. The Ukrainians have been fighting this fight for a long time. Now, if you happen to be an ethnic Russian and you're hanging out one of these now recognized by Russia independent regions, uh, then you've probably been one of the individuals that have been fighting the Ukrainians at least since Russia invaded Georgia. This has been an ongoing thing, and it's been attempted to look like a civil war. But those ethnic Russians, they've never really thought of themselves as being Ukrainian anyway, except for the fact that they happen to live within their borders. Does this matter to anybody? I suppose maybe it shouldn't overall. But if you're living literally right there on the Russian border, and you're not happy being Ukrainian, why wouldn't you just go ahead and go on back to Russia if it's that big of a deal? I mean, I get the, why should I leave my home? But it's not like they've made any effort to want to be uh, a productive part of the Ukrainian society. And I still think, ultimately, Vladimir is just as upset at the fact that his guy, his puppet dictator, uh, was removed by the Ukrainian people. And that the new guy just wasn't his guy. I think it miffed him. I think it made him mad. And I think, uh, I think we'll see things progress in this fashion. But the most surprising thing to me, I think, more than anything else, is the fact that we have seen a clear-cut reaction by citizens in Western nations. 
and particularly the the reactions that I get to see right here, of course, are uh, Americans and primarily here in uh, Tennessee. But then I've watched a lot of uh, folks that aren't typically political uh, folks doing YouTube stuff, and, and they've decided they're going to talk about this. And some of them are just doing reactionary videos to seeing some of the uh, footage that folks are recording on their phones and getting out via social media. And, and the reactions here, one thing's been made very clear to me. Uh, number one, nobody seems to understand anymore how propaganda actually works, which I guess is part of why the propaganda that we've been getting fed to us here by our own government has become so effective. Nobody seems to be able to... Uh, critically think their way through the minutia to see what the propaganda is. You know, they're going to show you so much of the truth, and then they're going to show you so much spin uh, to try and make you believe it's something different than what's actually happening on the ground. But that's what makes it so dangerous, the fact that you're seeing enough truth to it that it's easy enough to buy hook, line, and sinker everything they're trying to sell you with whatever it is they're showing you. Whether you're seeing footage that may be legitimate footage, not doctored, but they are going to explain it to you as being something uh, other than what you're seeing. I mean, we see that. But even when you don't see that, just to see the reactions. Why do you think the Ukrainian president is standing firm and standing in front of the cameras and making the speeches? Because he's hoping, hoping that somebody's going to come in there and assist them in repelling the Russians or at least put enough political pressure on the Russians to force them to withdraw. He's utilizing propaganda. Not all propaganda is bad, but that's what that is. Uh, and, you know, we've seen these heroic moments like uh, the sailors that were holding the, uh, the footage on Snake Island where the Russian ship comes up and they tell the Russian warship, go F yourself, uh, shortly before being completely decimated. Uh, the uh, Ukrainian Marine that blows himself up in an effort to take out a bridge to keep the Russians from uh, going across the bridge and getting into Kiev, uh, they're on the, like day two of the invasion, set the Russians back a couple of days in that effort. Some of these people are making great sacrifices, but they're not letting the propaganda part of reporting that go to waste, especially our media here that, for whatever reason, has decided that uh, they're willing to go all in for the Ukrainians in this. Now, I'm not against the Ukrainian people. I'm not against the, the Ukrainian government in this case. I am firmly against the machinations of Vladimir Putin and his efforts to forcibly go in and take out a guy he doesn't like just so he can try to put in somebody new. And now he's so far in that he has to finish the job, meaning he's going to have to elevate the level of violence. And this, despite the fact that there was news breaking again about an hour or so before I went on with Ron uh, on his show earlier today, the Ron Edwards American Experience, uh, as I was his guest, uh, when we were talking about that, uh, news was breaking that uh, there is, in fact, going to be uh, a, an effort at a first-round negotiation for peace talks uh, that uh, they're sending envoys to uh, at the Belarus-Ukrainian uh, border just uh, to the north. Okay, so not much is expected to come out of it, but uh, Ukraine is sending an emissary just 
just so that they won't be framed as being against a peaceful solution. I doubt seriously at this point that Vladimir is going to authorize any real peace talks of any kind. But then the other thing that I've been very surprised about, not only is there seem to be a complete lack of understanding of how propaganda works and the fact that both sides are using propaganda, both sides are willing to use propaganda, but we also seem to be completely uh, failing to understand how military strategy works. Everybody's talking about how Putin has lost his mind. He's become increasingly unhinged now. He's probably getting angrier that this isn't going as quickly as he suspected that it would or should. I, I believe that's entirely possible. I do think that he tended to underestimate uh, the will of the Ukrainian people and their ability to actually hang out. I don't think that he had any clue how well the American-made weapons that were already present were going to be at pushing back his aircraft. And so far, I really think that's the, the big key because he was trying to soften up targets from the beginning, and that's what we've seen to this point. We've seen them try to soften up targets. He hasn't been able to be as effective as he liked because those U.S.-built weapons, the higher level of technology than what his folks are accustomed to going up against any type of live-action situation, well, it's been a little more than he expected, so it's taken longer to do that. But yes, there was a concerted effort to not be overly destructive initially because he wants to reinstall another one of his guys. And he knows it's a lot easier to get the Ukrainian people satisfied with the new Russian guy if a lot of the infrastructure is still functionable when they're done. So as little damage as he can do is what he wants to do. But also, all of a sudden, you're seeing a elevation of efforts, a ratcheting up of the level of destruction he's willing to do. Well, yeah, that's military strategy too because you're trying to gauge, number one, what the international community is going to do, how they're going to react to what you're doing, and you're also trying to gauge what the people of Ukraine are going to do. You want to break their spirit so they'll stop fighting, if you can. You want to offer them an easy solution. Now, if this was going on somewhere uh, in one of the Western nations... It probably would have already been over. They would have folded like a cheap suit. We've seen this time and time again. The will to fight doesn't seem to exist among those folks that have had it too good for too long. In fact, when I was seeing some of this go on and then started seeing some of the reactions from people that typically tend to lean to the left, my initial reaction was, will this, will this be the tipping point that helps some of these people understand that you have to have real-world policies because when you try to just engage and embrace the utopian ideology, there's always going to be a bad actor from outside your community that's going to take advantage of your desire to be nice. And there's nothing wrong with being nice, but you have to be prepared to get rough and tumble when somebody else who's rough and doesn't want to be nice shows up a knocking. That's where Vladimir's at. And, I, you know, I was hopeful maybe a few folks would wake up to this and see what exactly it is that's going on. But then another voice in my head whispered instantly, yeah, here I am admitting I probably need to be on meds. Another voice in my head started whispering, Tim, you know, you know that's just not going to be it. 
One of the biggest problems we've had in this country. One of the reasons why so many young folks have been able to be convinced that microaggressions are important and that socialism could actually work is because we have had it too good for too long in this country. And the only thing that's going to snap folks out of that belief is to experience for themselves the type of horrors that some people want to visit on their neighbors for no other reason than the fact that they just want something that they've got. Whether you're talking about some subway attacker trying to beat a, a, a lady with a hammer, which is something that happened in New York just uh, just the other day, and footage of that is up on the Internet, and it thankfully isn't overly graphic, but it's graphic enough when you see the guy rear back a stupid hammer and is hitting this lady in the back of the head who's already kicked her uh, cane away from her, takes her purse, runs back up the stairs, it just whether you're talking about something that small or if you're talking about the type of insanity that could possibly come from Vladimir Putin sending in uh, these uh, tank support armored outfits that are basically flamethrowers. Uh, it's just whatever that level of inhumanity uh, that it takes to wake you up to the reality. These are the people that are running other countries around the world. These are the people that Barack Hussein al-Awakbar Obama uh, wanted to have a reset in relations with. That Barack Obama in his debate with a certain current senator from Utah, Mitt Romney, you know who you are, actually had the nerve to say that Russia was the number one geopolitical threat that the United States faced at that time. Now, he was wrong. China was then, still is. In fact, uh, we need to continue to pay more attention to China and our southern border while this little debacle is going on than we were before. Because let me tell you, uh, while they're wagging the dog, they're going to be trying to detract you from everything. Because what have we seen? We're now seeing that uh, Biden went ahead and released his, the name of his nominee for Supreme Court Justice. He did that because he said he would within a certain time frame. But the fact that this invasion was ongoing, some people seem to think, Marsha Blackbird, seem to think that uh, that makes it inappropriate to go forward with that because when you have other things going on, a world crisis, why are you spending time doing that and making a big announcement and making a lot of fanfare about it? I mean, you could have just sent out a statement uh, typed up and let everybody run with it. You could have kept the promise of announcing who your nominee was going to be without having all the fanfare and all the other. Sorry that you got uh, overshadowed by world events. But how about we not lose track of what is China up to? And what's happening on our southern border? Because they've been trying to detract you and distract you from our southern border since as long as they've been having to report historically large numbers of people illegally crossing, which has pretty much been since the minute that uh, the election was certified and has only gotten worse since then. We're over 2 million, over 2 million incidents, contact with illegals. And that doesn't come anywhere close to counting all the gotaways. All right, we're past the halfway point of this hour. 
so I guess what I really want to finish up with on uh, this topic before we take that break and move on to the next topic is this. The Ukrainian people are the ones who are caught in a tough spot. And it is shameful, no matter how you feel about any of the other moving parts in this situation, it is shameful that the United States and other Western European nations gave assurances to the Ukrainians that if they gave up the nuclear weapons that they had as a former Soviet state, that they would protect them from any future Russian aggression. It's shameful that Russia promised, guaranteed, that they would not invade or try to otherwise control Ukraine if they gave up those nuclear weapons. And so, even though they didn't get any formal treaties signed, nobody wanted to go on the record, if you will. Nobody wanted to be actually legally obligated to step in, which makes you wonder how much they believed Russia when they made their promise. Makes you question now how much you should believe the United States. And here's the deal. As long as the Democrats in office, you shouldn't at all. Period. Don't expect them to honor pre-existing agreements. Don't expect them to uh, make an agreement that they plan on honoring. Now, that hasn't always been the case. I think you could look at Jimmy Carter and anything that he signed, he meant to uphold. I think you could maybe even go uh, possibly to Bill Clinton. Now, Bill Clinton had his issues, but I don't think that uh, when it came to international stuff that that he would have necessarily backed down in a situation uh, if he actually formally made the agreement. Now, the problem was most of the agreements he made were uh, not so good for the United States, but he fully intended on doing whatever he said. Pretty much after... After that, eh, you throw it out the window. It means nothing. They give you your word. And that's something that embarrasses me as an American citizen, the fact that our government no longer is trustworthy. It's slightly more trustworthy when one party has more authority than the other, but only slightly more. That's embarrassing. But it's shameful. It's shameful that we told those people we would be there. We would have their back. Just do this and everything will be okay. And then Russia breaks their word. Putin doesn't care. He declared that agreement to be null and void, said it didn't matter anymore, just because Ukraine said they wanted to join NATO. That was never part of the agreement. And that's, like I said at, at the top of the segment, uh, that's just a red herring. It's an excuse. It's just an excuse. I don't want to see Americans put in harm's way, but I honestly don't believe it would have. Uh, I don't believe that any of this would have happened if the United States did more than just soft talk and then share intel with China when they should have been smart enough to know that China was just going to give it to the Russians anyway. All right, that's enough of this. Uh, let's take that mid-hour break and uh, let's switch gears. we got some other things going on that I want to talk about, so don't go anywhere. I'll be right back right after this. I'm... 
Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. Right here, right now, there is no other place I want to be. Right here, right now, watching the world wake up from history. Throughout American history until recent decades, each generation passed down the importance of personal responsibility, which is one of the main components of true liberty. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee. Liberty is freedom with responsibility. If there are any positive observations one can enumerate concerning the brutal Corona coronavirus scandal that has been used by big government, big insurance, big pharma, and big hospitals like Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan, to try and take control of our personal health decisions, including whether we should accept being forced to take shots that allegedly do nothing to prevent the spread of a man-made Corona coronavirus, but rather spreads spike proteins that are potentially harmful to anyone who comes in close contact with those who obediently took the jab. The good news in the midst of all of this madness is that more and more Americans are taking personal responsibility for their own health and are rediscovering freedom with responsibility. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Browns Coffee, simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. You think it's a dream? We all play part. Well, I'm in a maze of amazement and Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, we are uh, having a bit of a dream, uh, if you will. Uh, it's a fever dream. It's a bit of a nightmare. It's Joe Biden who thinks he's president and doesn't seem to know any better. Although half the time he still seems to think that he's in the Senate or that he's still running for Senate or something like that. All right, so anyway, before we get back to business, i got two things I want to talk about. Number one, uh, I, I do still suspect that there's going to be food shortages uh, coming this summer. Uh, hopefully, 
not too severely. Hopefully nothing that you yourself uh, are going to end up missing in the uh, wonderful world of the grocery stores that you go to. But, uh, you know, you may find yourself in a situation where some things might be helpful. And if one of those things that is indeed helpful uh, might be something to satisfy your sweet tooth, then, uh, man, oh, man, do I have the candy bar for you. Now, I keep calling it a candy bar, but that's not what they claim. They they claim it's a protein bar. Yeah, I'm talking about Built Bar again. And uh, the reason I keep talking about Built Bar is because uh, a lot of you guys still haven't uh, haven't tried them yet. Trust me on this one. Even if you don't trust me on anything else, trust me on this one. You're going to like Built Bar. They really do taste like candy bars, and they really are good for you. And uh, if you're going through a food shortage, it would be very helpful if you had stocked up on some Built Bars up front because it will help uh, get you through those times when, uh, you know, when the meals become a little lean and when the nutritional uh, – Issue gets a little scary. It's going to be good to have some built bars. And, yeah, I just just go down into today's show description. Copy the entire link. Now, I know on some of the podcasting platforms, the whole link will actually be live. If the whole link is live, then you can just click it. That'll work fine. Uh, a lot of them, part of the link will be live. Now, I'm not even putting it to be a live link. So it gets over at BTR, which is one of the first places I upload for the distribution purposes. Um, I don't even put it live there at all because that tends to mess up everything over there uh, where certain simple links will work fine and those get all jumbled up. So I put it in as not a link, but I want you to copy it in its entirety. Paste it to your web browser and then go visit. And you can go see everything that Built Bar's got going on. And by using that link, they're going to know that I sent you. That way, I don't have to tell you a whole bunch of sell stuff here. Just go see what they got. You're going to love all the flavors. You're going to love some of the non protein bar items they have as well. Just go check them out. And just please, all I'm asking is that you use that link so that they know I sent you. So that if you do make some purchases, then I'll get a very small, tiny commission. It helps to support the show. You get something you want, uh, they get to make a sale, and I get a little financial support. It's a win-win-win if you make a purchase. So there you go. It's a good thing. Now, if you're not listening to a podcast, however, if you're listening to terrestrial radio, for example, uh, then uh, what you may want to do is just come visit me a little later when the time's right over at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. And once you're there, uh, you can scroll down that homepage a little bit, and you will see uh, banners that you can just click on. Uh, There's uh, multiple Built Bar banners on there, and that will work just the same as having used those links. So that works just as good. Plus, if you go ahead and go there, you'll see all the other things that are on that homepage, including the fact that I have a link to the Amazon pre-sale page for A.J. Rice's upcoming new book, The Woking Dead. And uh, I do want to uh, tell you guys that uh, we are still working on trying to finalize how we're going to do the giveaway. We're going to be giving away some of those books as soon as they drop. That will be in July, so you're going to have time to, to get involved. So we'll be making that announcement soon. Uh, as we make those announcements, what you may want to do is skip all that jazz and just go ahead and go to the Amazon page for pre-order. Make sure that you can get your copy as soon as it's available. Plus, 
You also get a chance, if you go ahead and do that, to send a message to Hollywood, to send a message to all the leftists, and even to Amazon itself, that that's the kind of material that you want on their platform. That that's the kind of material that you want in your library. And that's the kind of material that you personally support. By sending that message to them, you're helping to preserve the American Republic in a way that really is going to get their attention through dollar bills, y'all. That's a, a, a big positive. All right, now, now let's get back into the uh, the business sides of the show. Because uh, this next story, uh, this is something that's still going on. Culture war continues even while you're distracted. So now if you just say the phrase that you're colorblind, if you're talking about race in America, well, guess what? The federal government officially considers you to be racist for being colorblind. Let's go over the article first and then I'll comment. Okay, so a race-based training program used by the federal agencies claims, among other things, that saying one is colorblind to race is itself racist. The training's part of the newly revealed federal diversity program that greatly expands on the previous critical race theory trainings within the federal government. This according to a report from the Washington Examiner. Now, part of the expansion comes in the form of opposing microaggressions or, uh, for those of us who don't understand the term, words and or actions by one person that unintentionally upsets another. So as the examiner noted, training provided to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says that offering a black student a basketball is considered offensive. Quote here, not only are federal workers urged to consider what they say, but also how their comments are received. In one chart, a white male is shown saying that he's colorblind. A black woman shown beside, however, takes it as an insult that the white is denying her racial-slash-cultural being. And it advises men don't interrupt a woman speaking because they hear women's ideas are not valued. Really? Now... Here's the thing. I typically will only interrupt somebody if it's something important. Otherwise, I'll let them finish what they have to say, and then I'll make my counterpoint if I have a counterpoint or if they need to be corrected. Because sometimes people, whether they're men or women, need to be corrected because they don't have all the facts. They don't have all the information. And if I have the correct information available to share with them, I would be doing them a disservice if I didn't correct them because they're only going to continue to embarrass themselves in front of other people by being wrong. If a man interrupts, it should be taken as this man believes that he has some more information than what you have. It used to be that we needed to be more careful about what we said. We needed to be more conscious about how we said it. But then we were not responsible for how people took it. I'm not prepared to live in a world where I have to be responsible both for what I say and what people think I said especially if those people have become hardwired to hear a microaggression no matter what I'm saying. Racial essentialism puts us into that position of having to believe that I'm an oppressor regardless, just because I happen to be white. 
Now, these, the training documents that we're talking about were first obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request from the conservative Judicial Watch. Uh, they also reported uh, that a slide titled Microaggressions defines microaggressions as verbal and nonverbal behaviors that communicate negative hostile and derogatory messages to people rooted in their marginalized group membership based on gender, race, ethnicity, religion, sexuality, etc., etc., etc. The slide further noted that microaggressions can be intentional or unintentional and are more subtle than using racial epitaphs and displaying swastikas. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, but I would remind you, technically the swastika is a Hindu religious symbol. So, uh, again, uh, context should matter as well as uh, content. Uh, just just something I like to remind people of. They had cartoons that were used to depict offensive stereotypes, which include people of color being offered various items, uh, someone wearing a, a hoodie and a gold chain being offered sports balls, a uh, hijab-wearing girl being offered a, a lit bomb. Now, excuse me, if you're going around offering people a lit bomb, I don't think that's a microaggression. I think that's a pretty aggressive move. Here's a bomb. Here you go. Uh, hold on to that for me, would you? Uh, yeah, that, come on. It's almost as dumb as the idea is, period. But uh, they go on to talk here also about uh, a picture of Osama bin Laden, a girl being offered a, a maid's apron and uh, a sombrero, which those two do not go together, by the way. Uh, a male being offered a guitar and a uh, construction hat. Excuse me. I, these guys are nuts. A girl being handed a bottle of Anjumama syrup, which, by the way, uh, it's Stone Mills now, guys. Uh, get with the picture. Okay, you've already... Anjumama's not around anymore. Anjumama doesn't exist. Even though they still have to put that in the corners of all their advertisements so that you know who the hell they are. <laughs> Say, uh, yes, uh, this is our new name, but... And down in the corner, uh, formerly Anjumama. Just so you know that, oh, it's the same great taste. Why is that? A girl being handled a spear, a teepee, and a Cleveland Indians baseball pennant. Okay, okay. if you're doing all that, if you're not a comedian trying to just be over-the-top ridiculous, then those are not micro. That is somebody that's going above board. Now, Judicial Watch also noted that another microaggression slide shows a white male saying, all lives matter, with a woman in a hijab depicted next to him and perceiving the statement as ignoring systemic racism, such as police interactions. You see, now, at that point, we have moved from we're fighting racism to we're being racist. First of all, if I see a girl in a hijab, I'm not going to think that instantly that's the first thought that comes to her mind. If I'm a white guy and I'm saying that all lives matter, I'm going to also insist that that should be an acceptable response because that's not ignoring anybody. It means that everybody has a different life experience. doesn't mean we can't learn from one another. doesn't mean that yours isn't drastically different than mine. But it does mean that our lives matter regardless. 
And because our lives matter, we should be willing to uh, meet each other somewhere a little closer to the middle as far as trying to get along. You should be willing to try and decipher whether or not something I said that offends you was intentional or if you're offended because of something else entirely that has nothing to do with what I actually said, but you've been led to believe that if somebody says this, it means that. Another side-by-side comparison showed a woman wearing a pink protest hat. Well, we know what hat that was. Saying, quote, as a woman, I know what you go through as a racial minority. And, of course, the woman in the hijab is there again, and she interprets this as saying, your racial oppression is no different than my gender oppression. Say what? The slides include a list of questions and statements deemed to be examples of racial microaggressions. Uh, where are you from? That, that's, that's a microaggression. I, I, we've already seen part of this list. We've talked about it in the past. But this is still part of the deal, and this is back at all the federal agencies. Where are you from? Where were you born? Now, if I see somebody that maybe looks Asian or maybe looks Hispanic, I'm not assuming that they're not American. I'm not going to assume that. Now, if they tell me when I ask this question that they're not, well, then I'm going to say, okay, well, when did you come here? Are you trying to become a citizen? If I'm genuinely wanting to get to know somebody or find out what's going on. Asking an Asian American or a Latino American to teach them words in their native language. You are so articulate. Gee, didn't Joe Biden and... uh, and uh, Bill Bill Clinton make statements about Barack Obama like that? Hmm. I, I'm just thinking out loud. Everyone can succeed in this society if they work hard enough. Well, guess what? I guess that's a microaggression that you guys are just going to have to learn to accept because I'm going to say something pretty much along those lines a lot. A person of color is mistaken for a service worker. Ooh, really? Maybe it has to do with how they're dressed more than their color college or university with buildings that are all named after white heterosexual upper-class males. Oh, uh, cause maybe those are the folks that help build the college, help pay for the college creation. Uh, there's a reason why people typically get named after it. So if you want to get uh, your name there, maybe you change that. Here's the point. A colorblind society used to be what we were looking for in this country used to be the answer to racism was a colorblind society. That should still be the goal and the target. It is not racist to say that you're colorblind. It is actually the opposite. It should be the goal. And if that's not your goal, then race matters way too much to you. And all I have to say about that, this is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go. Union saved the working class. 
was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees they said their vows And he couldn't say when He couldn't say how He couldn't say why She was different in his eyes They built careers and had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed their
Broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, uh, where we are just a few miles uh, outside of uh, Knoxville. Uh, just in case you needed to have a rough idea. I am an East Tennessean, born and bred, so very proud to be part of the volunteer state. And so very honored and privileged to have you uh, listening to today's show. Uh, this, of course, is the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast that took place initially on February 27th, 2022, Sunday. And we're, uh, you know, hanging around somewhere around 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you, of course, can adjust your time zone accordingly. And uh, if you missed the first hour, I'd highly recommend you go back and check out the podcast. Uh, just go back and head it out. Now, I'm saying all that for the benefit of the folks who may be listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio or uh, the folks that may be listening on other digital platforms. Uh, terrestrial Radio, like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, uh, where we are settling into a brand new time slot. We're starting uh, our new adventure at 1 p.m. Uh, East, well, not Eastern, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. That's the local time out there in Utah. Uh, so uh, for those of you that have already found it, hopefully uh, the folks that were listening to the show before have followed us with the move. I know we moved from uh, an early morning slot to a drive time slot, and now we've got that early afternoon slot. Uh, and uh, we're we're just kind of moving around, but we're Monday through Friday out there, and what you are hearing is a rebroadcast. And uh, oftentimes uh, the second hour is going to be uh, well past uh, the time of the recording. So I try to get the more volatile news stories, the things that are happening fast, or like our discussion of what's going on with the Russian invasion, uh, things like that. Try to do that in the first hour and fairly early so that you have an opportunity to hear that as soon as possible. And then the stuff that's uh, not quite of the same time sensitivity into the second hour, which sometimes will leave you guys wondering, well, this just happened. Why aren't you talking about this? It's like, well, sorry, guys. If you happen to be listening to a digital platform like The Last Frequency, uh, then you're typically only getting to hear one hour at a time. And uh, it just kind of gets divided up one hour, uh, Monday through Friday. That, that's usually the deal. So, uh, you know, that, that's... It's fine with me. I hope you guys are okay with it. And like I said, anytime you miss an hour, by all means, come find the podcast and, and check out the hour that you missed. Meanwhile, let's uh, jump into things because there's still a lot of things going on. We talked uh, a little bit about uh, things that are going on with the Russian-Ukraine situation. We also ended up talking a little bit about uh, how the federal government's sensitivity training has gone back to, uh, well, not only the former critical race theory ideology that had been imposed with their racial essentialism, but they're going steps further. So now you are officially racist if you just use the phrases, I am colorblind. That's being racist now. That's absolutely the opposite. I... I just didn't have enough time to get into that, but I don't have time to go on, so we'll probably readdress it. Trust me, that's not a topic that's going away anytime soon. 
Uh, did want to talk a little bit about the the fact that today, uh, Sunday, they were starting to make a bigger and bigger deal about how the State Department is now urging American citizens to get out of Russia. That's not something they had been saying up to this point. They've been telling uh, uh, citizens that are in Russia to leave immediately. And this is as uh, air flights out of Russia are already being canceled left and right. Europe, uh, several European countries have already ended flights from Russia. Uh, both commercial and uh, any other type of flight. Uh, they're being shut down. Now, one of two things could be a play. Either, number one, they're concerned about what Vladimir may decide to do next uh, and uh, for fear of trying to use citizens of uh, other Western nations as some level of collateral if they haven't already gotten out. Or the possibility that... Uh, that maybe Vladimir is going to have a reason to be upset because maybe the NATO response units may be about to start doing some type of kinetic operations, even if it's not on the primary field of battle in Ukraine. It's something that might get traded back. I know we're already supposed to be living under alert of potential cyber attacks here in the U.S. We were getting warned about that for the last several days. Uh, obviously, uh, Joe Biden wants to uh, do some talking, but uh, so far it's all been pretty soft talking. Until over the course of this weekend, they finally did go ahead and uh, end Russia's access to the SWIFT system, or at least uh, several Russian banks are no longer able to utilize it. I don't think they actually completely eliminated all of them. Uh, well, until that happened, it seemed like uh, Vladimir was perfectly content just threatening Sweden and Finland. Things have changed quickly now, though, with that going on, and uh, it seems to be spiraling. We'll see where things end. I, I have a lot of concerns. But you know, just the way they went about these these efforts to contain Russia economically, all these sanctions, do they honestly think that they can negotiate with China or that they can negotiate with Iran and that that's going to help stop Russia? I mean, Iran is already a Russian proxy in the Middle East have been for a very long time. So whatever you're going to do to try to benefit Iran, it's going to end up benefiting Russia. And China right now very much is interested to see what happens if, uh, if Vladimir can get anywhere in the neighborhood of possibly reconstructing, reconstructing the Soviet Union. So he's very interested there. But yes, yes, if if you are a U.S. citizen and you're in one of these places, or if you are a citizen of any Western European nation, uh, it may already be too late. But uh, if you have the opportunity, get out of Dodge and get out of Dodge now. All right, with that having been said, uh, there are some other things going on around uh, the country. And I want to spend some time talking about that because the culture war never ends. There is no end to the culture war. Uh, and do not be distracted by what is going on in Ukraine to the point of losing sight of whatever China is up to, by losing sight of the U.S. southern border and its lack of, well, its lack of being a closed border. And do not lose sight of the fact that leftist politicians are still working very hard to destroy this constitutionally federated republic at every opportunity they have. And they want to do it by destroying our culture. Some culture warriors are starting to push back, and this latest story comes from Texas. 
Evidently, Texas right now plans to investigate and possibly even prosecute any instances of giving children sex reassignment surgeries as child abuse. Now, in a letter last week, Greg Abbott, current governor of the great state of Texas, directed the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services to investigate certain so-called sex change procedures found to constitute child abuse under existing Texas law. Now, Abbott cited an opinion by the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxson, in this letter, quoting that, It is already against the law to subject Texas children to a wide variety of elective procedures for gender transitioning, including reassignment surgeries that can cause sterilization, mastectomies, removals of otherwise healthy body parts, and administration of puberty-blocking drugs or uh, other doses of testosterone and or estrogen to change the body chemistry. Now, Texas law imposes reporting requirements upon all licensed professionals who have direct contact with children who may be subject to such abuse, including doctors, nurses, and teachers, and provides criminal penalties for failure to report such child abuse. There are similar reporting requirements and criminal penalties for members of the general public. Still quoting here, Texas law also imposes a duty on DFPS, that's Department of Family Protective Services, to investigate the parents of a child who is subjected to these abusive gender transitioning procedures and on other state agencies to investigate licensed facilities where such procedures may occur. Texas's stance on some sex reassignment surgeries comes as transgenderism in children, teens, and in athletics is a growing issue among state governments. Last year, Arkansas became the first state to ban such surgeries for minors. A number of states have taken action to ban biological males from competing in female sports. Paxton's ruling follows the uh, August uh, DFPS finding that some transgender operations, when done on children, constitute child abuse. The DFPS ruling came after Abbott asked the agency to look into whether such surgeries fell outside of treatments allowable for gender dysphoric children and teens under Texas law. Genital mutilation of a child through reassignment surgery is child abuse, subject to all rules and procedures pertaining to child abuse. Back to quoting, by the way. Such mutilation may cause a genuine threat of substantial harm from physical injury to the child, according to state law in Texas. The commissioner of the Department of Family Protective Services, Jamie Masters, wrote in a letter at the time saying, quote, This surgical procedure physically alters a child's genitalia for non-medical purposes, potentially inflicting irreversible harm to children's bodies. Generally, children in the care and custody of a parent lack the legal capability to consent to surgical treatments, making them more vulnerable. Masters also noted in his letter that surgery on a child's genitalia may be allowed and found medically necessary under certain sets of circumstances. Uh, Back to quoting, 
it may be warranted for the following conditions, including but not limited to a child's whose body parts have been affected by illness or trauma, who were born with a medically verifiable genetic disorder of sex development, such as the presence of both ovarian and testicular tissue, or who does not have the normal sex chromosome structure for male or female as determined through genetic testing. But here's the deal. As we cut through all the hype, all the hoopla, what are we really talking about here? We're talking about the state of Texas getting serious about stopping this effort to harm underage children. Now, we can't do much about this social engineering project that we see on the Disney Channel, that we see on Nickelodeon, that we see on all this stuff that's programming for children that has been trying to normalize all types of, well, let's say anti-civilization behavior. And it is anti-civilization because it brings about the end of a civilization. But this effort to force these children to mutilate their bodies at a time when they're not old enough to even understand what they're consenting to, which is why they have to be a certain age before they can legally consent to anything. It's why you're not allowed to sign a contract until you're 18. It's why you're not allowed to uh, check yourself into rehab if you're six years old. There's a reason for these things. You're not, they don't fully understand. And the idea, the notion that any kind of treatment should be employed, especially a medical treatment, an intervention involving chemicals or operations for any person that has not yet at least at the very least gone through puberty. It's absurd. It's criminal and it is abusive. You're causing irreversible harm in many cases. It's not just words taken from that article. It's things you've heard me say before. It's things you've heard other reasonable people say. You know why? Because it's a reasonable position to have. We have on the left uh, an organized effort to try to, to brainwash children into believing that it's perfectly okay to behave this way. It's perfectly okay for you to be part of this. And why do they do that? Because they have to control the thought process of these young people. They want to indoctrinate them young. They want you obsessed with identifying yourself as being something other than what you are. Which in this case, what you should identify yourself as, as an American. It's okay to identify yourself as a, a Minnesotan or a Tennessean or a Texan. But you should be an American. That's how you should identify, first and foremost. Even on those moments of shame, like when Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. becomes the installed current resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Or when you see people try to, to make the case that somehow Russia invading Ukraine is uh, Donald Trump's fault. When you see these things, when you hear people like Mr. Claiborne from South Carolina, Mr. Clyburn, I should say, not Claiborne, Clyburn from South Carolina, talking about how black history is being diminished because white people are attacking, white Republicans, 
specifically was the wording, are attacking black history as simply being racial theory. Well, we know what he's talking about. He's talking about critical race theory, isn't he? We know that he's twisting the words and twisting the facts and hoping that you don't know enough, don't understand enough of what he's up to, to to be able to call him out on his BS. Same thing that Hillary did when she was trying to point fingers at Donald Trump as well. These people still have Donald Trump living in their head rent-free, which is funny because Donald Trump would uh, prefer to pay rent because it's through people paying rent that he's made the money he has, so he knows how important that space is. He's taking up a lot of room in some of these people's minds. They're so, so concerned about the orange man who's bad, the the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Yeah, they, they, those nicknames and so many more, they, they can't stand that he's still on the political scene. That's why they want to indoctrinate your children younger and younger. And it's no longer enough to try and convince your kids that uh, they're smarter than their parents are. It's no longer enough to try and convince kids that socialism can work. It's not enough to convince kids that you're black, so you're never going to get a fair shake. It's not enough to try and teach the kids you're white, so you're an oppressor. You need to sit down, shut up, and stop being so successful. It's not enough to try to continue to teach your kids that, oh, well, you're Asian, so now you're white adjacent, so do the same thing we told the white kids. That's not enough. Now they want you all concerned about, well, what? type of sexual preference do you have and uh, is your body even the body you should have how does your brain feel compared to what the plumbing is on your body well you i I don't know as a six-year-old you're not likely to know what you're even being asked despite their best efforts because you know they want to do the the sex education at four years old now And then they expect them to fully understand it and comprehend it, even when clearly they themselves do not, if they're buying into any bit of this propaganda crap that they're spewing out. And the sad part is, at least half of them are, probably closer to three quarters, because they too have been victims of the indoctrination. They also believe this crap they're spouting, and they just think that, oh my, how clever I am. I've thought of a new way to trick Uh, these people into letting me get my clutches on these children and trying to further confuse them. I mean, teach them uh, the reality that their parents never will. Yeah, that's, that's what they believe. Now, I'm a firm believer, regardless of how else you want to play it, that these sexual reassignment surgeries, you're going in and making these changes, that this is mutilation of your bodies. Your body's built a certain way. Your body exists for a certain way. That's your DNA. That's who you are. And guess what? No matter how you mutilate your body, no matter how you change your outside looks, you haven't changed your DNA. You still are exactly who you were born as. Now, some traumas come along to make you feel different than that. There are ways to deal with that that doesn't require such a drastic permanent uh, reaction. But if you are somebody out there, if you are somebody that has suffered with gender dysphoria for a good piece of your life, if you've gotten well past puberty, if you've gotten into your late 20s, into your 30s, maybe even your 40s, and you feel like that that's the only option you have left to try and, and to 
make things make sense to you, then guess what? You're an adult at that point. You can do whatever you want. More power to you. I'm sorry you've had to suffer. I really am. But if that's your set of circumstances, if that's who you are, then you should also realize that that what we're seeing now is more a social contagion than an acknowledgement of your condition. We can see you and still say that children who have not yet went through puberty should not have to deal with the type of choices that you are making. Statistically, we know that the majority of young people that go through any form of actual gender dysphoria tend to outgrow it before they hit their 20s. Now, that's a good thing. Doesn't mean it's not real. Doesn't mean it hasn't affected them. It doesn't mean it hasn't changed how their life has been impacted. But if they can get past gender dysphoria without having to have radical surgery or hormone treatments or even... In some cases, they don't even have to have any level of psychological assistance. And by that, I mean time with a psychiatrist or a psychologist. If if you're in that situation and you can outgrow it, that means that there's hope for the majority of uh, young people that legitimately do have some level of confusion. That they don't have to do these things, which makes it even more of an egregious action when somebody who's in a position of authority, when someone who's a trusted authority figure in their life pushes this down their throat as the answer, as the solution, when the the truth of the matter is the majority of the time, the actual solution is give yourself some time to grow into who you're going to be. If you're getting into your teens and you don't have a certain amount of angst, then you're not a normal kid. And guess what? And there's nothing wrong with not being a normal kid, by the way, which is usually what leads most of the... uh, this type of confusion to occur in the first place. Just because you happen to be gay doesn't mean that you're actually a transgender of the other sex either. I mean, at some point, certain the transgenders and the gays actually be kind of upset at each other because they both are kind of, in their own existence, they're kind of diminishing the other's existence, right? Aren't they? Sort of? Yeah, I mean, really? based on the social contagion version of what we see going on. Again, folks that are legitimately going through gender dysphoria, that's a whole different ballgame. And there are those people that are suffering with this. And again, I do not want to to diminish their suffering at all. I don't want to be insensitive or uncaring to them. I know some people who have went through this battle. I do. I've had guests on this show who have went through this battle, went through the process of doing the whole change, and then... When it was all said and done, they come to realize that that was never the solution for them. But it ruined not only their lives, but the lives of their family as well. There's a reason why transgenders, actual transgenders, have one of the highest levels of suicide. And that's because we're not helping them the way they need help. And these efforts to mutilate children's bodies, that's only going to lead to more suicides, not fewer. Because when these kids outgrow the situation and realize they've done something that they can't undo, that it's no longer right for them, well, how do you think they're going to react to that? This is 
this is I was going to say it's the worst kind of child abuse, but no, no. Uh, sexual assault is the worst kind of child abuse. But this isn't too far from it. It is on par for it. Because at the end of the day, this is going to be pitched to the activist groups out there as being, oh, see, they're, they're anti-trans rights. That's not what this is. Not even close. This is about protecting those people that are too young to know what it is that they're getting into. Something that you, as an individual who's been through this struggle, should respect. If you happen to be someone who's suffered with transgenderism, you certainly wouldn't want someone else to be in those shoes, but you certainly also wouldn't want one of those people that have transgenderism as a young teen but outgrows it to find themselves in an irreversible position because somebody else had an agenda that they were pushing that had nothing to do with trying to make them better. I've said this several times when it comes to the entirety of the LGBTQ plus community. Be careful who you let speak for you because a lot of these people that want to be out front with a megaphone, they got a very different agenda than you do. They want to keep the issue hot. They want to keep the button, uh, keep the button. They want to keep the issue a hot button issue. They want to keep you in a constant state of uh, unsettled uh, reactionaryism, because that's how they make themselves important. Same thing as the race baiters that we see, like uh, Al Sharpton. Abram Kendi, Hannah Nicole, Miss 1619. The race baiters are making themselves uh, important by virtue of spewing out crap. They have an agenda. And the agenda isn't equality. The agenda is to pocket some cash and make themselves important. And a lot of the people that want to get out in front of your struggle... It's the same thing. AOC found herself in some trouble not too long ago because she wanted to rename a, a building. I think it was a library. This was like a couple of weeks ago. I, it, it didn't, it wasn't an important enough story to make the list, but I can mention it in passing here. The LGBTQ folks got upset because she was going to change the name of a building that was already named after an LGBTQ leader in New York. And it was pretty obvious it was a post office that's what it was she's going to rename a post office it's pretty obvious that she didn't know who it was already named after so she doesn't know don't be surprised guys when people like aoc don't know the history of anything they're talking about because to her history is only what's happened to her and probably her memory goes about as far back as 15 minutes unless she can review it on her instagram feed or whatever freaking social media she's on. I think it's Instagram that she's on. Keeps doing these videos of, ooh, I discovered some new secret technology, a garbage disposal. You know, they don't even have those where I come from. Really, no kidding. <sighs> right, anyway, Texas, not the first state to take some steps, but this is pretty strong. And this is, they are the first uh, state to actually want to hold this in place as being child abuse. And uh, 
that's a step in the right direction. More folks need to do exactly that. Uh, meanwhile, don't go anywhere. We're going to take that mid-hour break, and uh, I'll be right back right after that. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. In 1941, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, only 3.8% of babies born in the United States were born to unwed mothers. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. During my formative years growing up in Cleveland, my dad spoke of the importance of fully intact families. In fact, he believed that the United States would only be as strong as her families. I long ago came to the conclusion that Dad's belief in the importance of strong families for the stability of our republic was spot on. Today, our one-time envy of the world nation is suffering the impact of over 40% of children being born into one-parent homes where fathers are not present. If this trend is not reversed very soon, our days as a great, powerful nation will be over. The Saul Alinsky-inspired leftists, along with their foreign friends like... The Chinese are celebrating this troubling trend that could help render our beloved nation unable to sustain herself or defend herself from enemies, both foreign or domestic. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. My name is Joe Biden. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. I keep forgetting I'm president. Regime leader Joe Biden has warned Americans that a Russian invasion of Ukraine over there will affect Americans here. Hello, I'm... Ron Edwards, on today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Regime leader Biden went on to say in a recent speech, quote, I will not pretend this will not be painless. He may not be aware, but since the day Biden's regime was installed, it has been anything but painless. Up to now, he alone is responsible for any energy supply shortcomings and high prices we, the people here, are having to put up with because he, Biden, shut down our Keystone Pipeline and gave approval for Russia to connect an energy pipeline to Germany while also forbidding drilling for oil on federal lands and shutting down licensing for oil drilling in the Gulf of Mexico. By the way, I'm still wondering why the federal government owns up to 70% of the landmass in some states like Utah and turned over our national parks and some cities like New York City to the United Nations. Mm. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. 
is not this simpler? Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that, of course, is a, a preview of Joe Biden's upcoming State of the Union address. Uh, <laughs> uh, ordinarily, I would play a little music rolling this in, a little more bumper music rolling this into this segment. But, uh, yeah, I had to say that. I couldn't help myself. Uh, State of the Union address upcoming on Tuesday uh, should be interesting to see what all gets mentioned and how it plays out. I mean. Uh, sadly enough, we all know that the State of the Union is nowhere near as good as uh, as it was when uh, he found it. Certainly worse for wear. Most Americans are worse off uh, than they were when Joe Biden assumed the office. Uh, it, it should be full of platitudes and ridiculousness. And he'll try to sound tough when it comes to Putin. I'm sure that'll come up, too. Uh, we'll see what happens. And that's assuming, of course that uh, Ukraine is still standing by then. Uh, it will be difficult for them to hold out till Tuesday. And, of course, this show is being broadcast live on February 27th of 2022, so it's still Sunday, so a lot of time between now and then. In fact, since I haven't rechecked the news since I've been uh, broadcasting, and this is the second half of the second hour, for all I know, Kiev may have fell by now already. I haven't double-checked and haven't seen any breaking news come across uh, any of the boards here, so uh, I'm going to presume they haven't yet, but that still may change by sun up here on the east coast of the United States. We'll we'll see what happens. My, my fingers are crossed for the Ukrainian people. I, I really am rooting for them in this, and I do feel rather bad that uh, both the United States and Western Europe have not kept their promises to protect Ukraine from Russian aggression in exchange for turning over their nuclear weapons. Uh, it's just crying over spilled milk at this point. It doesn't really matter, but it is shameful. I, I honestly feel like it is a very shameful thing. But hey, anyway, want to remind everybody that um, I, I really do think there's going to be some food shortages upcoming. Uh, given the current administration and current situations around the world and how much fuel costs are likely to get to since they refuse to just open our fuel reserves back up and go back to energy independence here in the States, that uh, even if there's not full-blown shortages, it's just going to be flat-out too expensive to get some things to your local grocery stores. So I would highly recommend you go ahead and start planning for that now. And one of the best ways to be prepared for food shortages is to have survival food on the standby. I've been saying for some time now, and I'll stand by this phrasing over and over again, that if you truly want to enjoy the blessings of 
individual liberty, then that requires individual responsibility. And part of individual responsibility is being self-sufficient. And nobody has been helping you to be self-sufficient longer than My Patriot Supply. By now, if you've been listening uh, previously, you know the drill. But just in case you're a brand new listener, uh, let me explain it to you one more time. If you're listening to the podcast, then what I'm going to need you to do is go to the show description. There will be a link out beside the phrase My Patriot Supply. I want you to copy that link in its entirety, paste that in your web browser, and go check out everything they have to offer from water purification to heirloom seeds to just great tasting, actually is great tasting, uh, survival food uh, in 25-year rated uh, totes. The stuff will last you forever. So you can load up now and you don't have to worry about it going bad. You'll have it for that emergency in case just the power goes out or in case the food just becomes scarce for a little bit. Uh, and and I hope I'm wrong about this, but I really do have kind of a bad feeling that by uh, by this summer, midsummer in particular, we're really going to start seeing some scarcity of some things that we're used to having, and I don't know how bad it's going to get. And like I said, I really hope I'm just wrong. But it doesn't hurt to be prepared. And so uh, if you will use that link below, if you'll use that link in the show description, uh, it'll let them know that I sent you. So you can get something you need. Uh, They can help take care of you, help you to stay uh, self-reliant. And uh, if you use that link and they know I sent you, then it will help to support the show. So I'd greatly appreciate it. And also, in case you don't realize it, if you're listening Uh, to terrestrial radio, to a rebroadcast, or if you're listening on one of the digital platforms that rebroadcast the show. Uh, Or maybe maybe you're listening to the podcast, but you're in the middle of doing something that it's just not going to let you. uh, It doesn't make sense for you to do the copy and paste thing on your browser. Then later on, real easy to remember, uh, visit me over at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P into the truth, all one word, dot com. And on that homepage, you can scroll down. You'll see several banners to to all kinds of places, including my Patriot Supply. If you'll click on one of those banners, it works just the same. But uh, it, it has to be the full link or it has to be one of those banners so that they know for sure that it was me that sent you. Now, obviously, you can go visit these folks if you don't want to help support the show. You can go do it. And that really is what I would prefer you do. Uh, go regardless of what you want to do. But it really would help me out if you did support the show in the process, too. I just want you to be certain to be prepared. If you would rather support somebody else than that, uh, you can go use a code from some other show. That's fine. But go get prepared. Uh, but if you would please be willing, you know, uh, use this link. Use my site. Uh, I would appreciate it. It's one of the ways that I can make sure that this show stays on the air. And it's getting harder and harder because, again, with all the other costs going up, uh, the show is getting dangerously close to no longer breaking even. And it's scary because the monetization side has been improving. And it's still not quite enough because the cost of doing the show is getting higher and higher. So uh, at any rate, uh, whether you listen uh, on SoundCloud or whether you listen... Uh, on iHeartRadio or whether you're listening on Spotify, just wherever you need to go. Now, one other thing, too. Uh, quick reminder, we will be announcing very soon uh, the rules for uh, being eligible to be in the drawing for the upcoming brand new book, The Woking Dead. That's A.J. Rice's newest book. Uh, it drops in July, near the end of July, t- to be precise. 
if you are interested, I would highly recommend you go ahead and pre-order a copy over at Amazon. There are uh, some banners on that homepage over at Tap Into the Truth. You can hit it there. You'll have to scroll down, and it's going to be one of these switching Amazon banners. Uh, it will take you to the pre-order page. I will put a link in the show description for those that are at the podcast. Uh, and you can do the exact same thing that you would for the My Patriot Supply. Uh, go check it out. Uh, read what all the information. Decide if you would like to have a copy. And, you know, if you're not confident that you'll be one of the one of the winners of the free copy, then go ahead and, and uh, pre-order. It sends a strong message. sends a message to leftist politicians. It sends a message to the mainstream legacy media, and it even sends a message to Amazon. You're, you're tired of the woke BS, and you want your America back. That's the message you're sending. And, uh, yeah, the, the more pre-orders for a book like this they get, the more they get that message. So feel free to do that. And, you know, worst-case scenario, you pre-order a copy, and then you end up being one of the winners, and you got two copies. That means you got a copy you can do whatever you want to with and still have one for your library. So all the better. It's a win-win for you. All right. Uh, with that having been said, uh, like I mentioned before, the culture wars always continue. And uh, this is that moment where I just randomly mentioned Charlie Gard. I, I made a promise a long time ago. And I made that promise, actually, not just to you, the regular listeners at the time. And many of you changed. The, the demographics of this show have changed drastically since I made that promise. Uh, but I also made that promise specifically to Kel Fritzy because this was uh, an issue that actually uh, was outside of her normal reporting because she was a counter-jihadi primarily. That was what she focused on, especially counter-jihad activities in Canada. She was so angry with Trudeau, and since she's passed, I feel a special obligation to continue to honor all the promises that I made to Kel. And one of those promises was to, uh, whenever it made sense, and then sometimes just randomly for no apparent reason, bring up Charlie Gard. Sometimes I'll just bring up Charlie Gard and say, if you don't remember the name, then uh, I suggest you research it. But Charlie Gard is literally the poster child of why, why socialized medicine is a bad thing for any free country. Charlie Gard is the young kid that had a, a disorder. That the British medical establishment said, okay, well, well, there's nothing we can do to treat him, so we're just going to try to make him comfortable till he passes. And then the world became aware of young Charlie. And there were some experimental treatments that could have been offered up, but, well, it was far too expensive for the socialized medicine of the UK. So the British health system uh, said no. Charlie's parents said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we'll release you from all obligation. Just let us take Charlie uh, to go seek some of these treatments. They had offers from Israel, offers from uh, folks here in the United States. They had all kinds of money raised to help cover the expenses of moving Charlie and getting him to this experimental treatment. But the socialized medicine of the UK had spoken and at that point it became more important for them to demonstrate that they got to make the call Charlie sorry about your 
you're sorry about your situation and sorry that your parents think that they should have the right to try to find some Hail Mary effort to save you. Well, since then, we have continuously heard the ongoing drumbeat for socialized medicine here in the United States. And now is a good time to remind you that you should not be looking to California for your health care reform here in the States. This from a opinion piece from the Daily Wire, uh, byline by Real Clear Wire. I'm going to read you a, most of the article, and then I'm going to opine a bit more. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders has been unable to advance the top-down government takeover of our nation's health care system. So, like-minded California lawmakers attempted a state-level version that would have ended private health insurance, would have forced Medicare participants into a new experimental system, and would have put government in charge of California's health care. Fortunately for California health care consumers... Uh, that particular proposal, which was called CalCare, well, it failed to secure enough votes, sending the single-payer advocates back to square one. So you're not out of the woods, but uh, you got a, a bit of a reprieve. Now, this should be a wake-up call for Californians who cherish health care freedom and choice. Had CalCare passed, Californians would have, well, they would have seen a dramatic raise in the cost of living, uh, increased state deficits, and critical health care wait times shoot through the roof. And it also would have exacerbated the current doctor shortages just as an extra bonus. The current California state budget proposal for the fiscal year of 2022, well, it sits at uh, $286 billion. Now, a 2017 single-payer proposal that was similar to CalCare well, it had an estimated $400 billion price tag, which, of course, is more than actually almost twice the entire state budget that's been proposed. Now, to pay for CalCare, supporters had proposed what amounts to the largest tax increase in California's history. It would have roughly doubled taxes and would then be taking another uh, $12,250 from every state household, uh, this according to the Tax Foundation. This tax hike plan included a new graduated payroll tax system with the top rate kicking in for employees with only $49,990 of income, a gross receipt tax on businesses, and additional surtaxes on income for everybody over $149,509. Now, why this would have been a massive tax increase on the middle class, it was only expected to bring in an additional $163 billion a year. That's literally billions short of the funds needed for the new program. So what would Californians get for paying these exuberant taxes? Certainly wouldn't be better health care. Assembly Republican leader Marie Walden, or Waldron, I'm butchering Marie's name. I'm sorry, Marie, I don't mean to butcher your name. Well, Marie said she looked forward to the CalCare debate and, quote, 
How much taxes will increase on the middle class? How many people will be kicked off their current health care plan? What Democrats will say to the seniors whose Medicare funds will be raided? How long wait times will be? And the extent to which bureaucrats will ration care? And how many hospitals will close? I look forward to hearing Democrats explain how they plan to successfully take over more than 10% of the state's economy when in the last decade they've proven themselves incapable of simple things like building a railroad, providing clean drinking water, keeping the lights on, and, you know, even just filling potholes. Now, the editors of the Orange County Register agreed, saying, quote, It'd be one thing for the state of California to consider such a sweeping endeavor with a consistent track record of immense success, transparency, and efficiency. It's another when the state can't figure out the basics of state government. Health care obviously is very important. It is often literally a matter of life and death. This isn't a ban on plastic straws we're talking about. So we're talking about a steep cost of living increase due to the rising taxes as well as pay cuts that medical practitioners would have expected under a single-payer system. And that would have increased California's doctor shortage. Even the New York Times acknowledged doctors would likely have to take pay cuts under a government-run system, stating that analysis across the board uh, agree single-payer would cut revenue for doctors. Just as other businesses are leaving California for more business-friendly states, tax increases and revenue cuts would have caused California doctors to take their expertise and their experience elsewhere. Instead of limiting choice under a single-payer system, states should expand the options available to individuals, whether it's expanding telehealth, allowing doctors and nurses to practice across state lines, and repealing needless restrictions like certificate-of-need laws that prevent hospitals from expanding to meet patient demand, people need more options, not less. Instead of a one-size-fits-all public option, we need a strong personal option so people have greater control of their health care. Hallelujah. Pass the plate. Oh, there's more to the article if you want to look it up. Like I said, it's over on the Daily Wire. Title of said article is Don't Look to California for Reform Healthcare," and it's in the opinion sections by Real Claire Wire. Now, the dirty little secret about socialized medicine is it's way more expensive than current medicine. It squashes any type of innovation. It creates long waits for regular, routine health care. It creates scarcity for specialty care. And in a state like California, it would reduce the availability of health care exponentially when these doctors started getting out of Dodge. But the big thing here is even with their plan to nearly double their tax rate, it still would have been way 
way short of covering the cost of the program. And that's not even taking into account the entirety of the rest of the state budget. Socialized medicine, free medical care for you, is the most expensive option on the table. Which, by the way, you don't actually want to go on the table and under the knife under a socialized medicine program. People still don't understand this basic concept because you still have people like Bernie Sanders trying to convince the American public across the board that this is a solution. Health care is a right. Well, you know, it's also a right of those people providing you the health care to be rewarded for quality. So the better they are, the better they should be paid. And if an individual dedicates a significant chunk of their life to becoming a trained healthcare professional, they should see the reward for that. They certainly shouldn't be turned into a low-level government employee. If you guys already think that teachers are underpaid, you're really, really going to be in for a shock when suddenly your doctor's getting paid less than that because who do you think is going to stay employed as a healthcare professional if that's your pay rate. It's not going to be those A-plus doctors that graduated with all the honors that are really, really good. It's going to be those folks that barely made it through medical school. The old adage is, what do you call a, a person that passed medical school with a D-minus? You call them doctor. Because it's just the same as passing with that A-plus. You graduate, you graduate, you're a doctor. You just may not be the preferred doctor. That's what you're going to be left with, California. And if you think you could just do it nationally and that would solve the problem, well, then you really don't understand the problem. Because the problem is the doctors will simply go to another country. And they're going to be in a better position to do it. There are countries out there that are trying to recruit our doctors away from us anyway, already. But the reason they stay is because here they can do the best innovation and, yeah, also get paid the best. That's not a bad thing. Folks should expect to get paid. But I'm going to leave you with one final thought when it comes to socialized medicine because this is the end of today's broadcast. And that final thought is Charlie Gard. All right, that's going to have to be it for now. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe if you can, stay healthy if possible, and, uh, you know, be smart out there, guys, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey.